So that's what I'm going to try to do today. Ethan's going to try to put it in the chat. Um, but today, I just want you to sit and soak on the grandness of God, uh, on the grandness of the Lord's plan, and on the, on the privilege we have to be part of that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray I will speak with simplicity, clarity, revelation, and power. Father, I pray that this message will increase our faith, sharpen our focus in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Brothers and sisters, people tend to become what they feel the most important persons of their in their life think they will become. All right. It makes, I mean, let me try to break it down. People tend to become what they feel the most important people in their lives think they will become. So if the most important person in your life is your father and you think your father thinks you're a winner, oftentimes you'll be a winner. And this is when, when uh, abuse happens, parental abuse, spiritual abuse, academic abuse, when people are in the privilege of power, think very little of you, even subconsciously, subliminally, this will affect the trajectory of your life. But I thank God for salvation because then we recognize and realize the revelation of what God thinks we are. See, I want to share a message with you about Christ, the Bible, being daughters and sons of God, about being a Christ-centered community. I want to help you receive a supernatural revelation. And here it is. Brothers and sisters, we are called to become who we already are in Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are called to become who we already are in Christ. We're just trying to catch up to the spiritual reality of our situation. Christian life is becoming who you already are. Let's look at the book of Ephesians. I tell you, if you want to read the Bible and you're like, I want to study one book for three months, let it be Colossians and Ephesians. All right, so the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 16 to 22. I'm going to read the NLT and the message. This is what Paul's writing to the church of Ephesus. That's in Turkey. Because I have not stopped thanking God for you. If you want to be a pastor, let that be your prayer. Whoever the Lord has given you to lead, don't stop thanking God for I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you, not money, spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, flooded with light, so you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that rise Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world, but in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ 
and made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. Listen, I could preach on this for four score and seven years. Let's look at the message translation. It says verse 15 to 19 of Ephesians. That's why I heard of the solid trust you have in Master Jesus and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus. I couldn't stop thanking God for you every time I pray. I think of you and I give thanks, but I do more than thank. I asked God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning to know him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do, to grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who can who trust him, endless energy and boundless strength. Oh, glory to God. Let's look at Colossians chapter one, verse four, one through four, the NLT. It says, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ. Oh, that's a revelation. Brothers and sisters, you have a new life. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at the right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. See, I, when I finish preaching, I don't want you to say that was a great sermon. I want you to say that's a great Christ. See, my job is to reveal and unveil Jesus Christ, to point you to him. I must decrease, he must increase. See, I said this before, as I studied the life of Paul, he was all about Jesus. The, in the first chapter of um, Colossians, he mentions Christ 30 times. In the first chapter of Ephesians, he mentions Christ 26 times. In the first chapter of Philippians, he mentions Christ 20 times. See, in my, in my years of serving the Lord, there was many it's. Evangelism was it. Worship was it. Tithing was it. Eschatology, studying the end times was it. Theology was it. Apologetics, defending your faith was it. Leadership was it. But I don't need an it. I need a him. See, when the woman of the issue of blood spent 12 years spending all her money looking for the it, but he didn't get her healing until she touched him. And when she touched him, he said, who touched me? See, we go to church and everybody raises their hand, but not everybody touches God. See, the it points to Jesus. Look at the Lord Jesus. When he's talking to the Samaritan woman, you see pure evangelism. Look at the Lord Jesus singing in the, in the Last Supper, the night before his crucifixion, you see pure worship. You see, when, when, he, when he let go of the glorious riches of heaven to come to earth so you and I could be rich in the spirit, you see pure generosity, perfect generosity. When you see Jesus Christ heal Peter and Lord's mother-in-law, even, even though uh, historians say she was related by marriage to Herod, when you see Jesus help the centurion servants, you see perfect grace and perfect psychology. 
When you see Jesus healed and feed, you see perfect compassion. When you see Christ save a woman from being stoned, help a Phoenician woman, speak to a Samaritan, help a Roman centurion, you see perfect equity and justice and openness. When you see Jesus Christ on the cross taking care of his mother and forgiving others, you see perfect sacrifice. When you see Jesus, when all the scriptures point to Jesus, you see perfect theology. Remember, in order to build a biblical framework of the understanding of God's mission, the church's mission, and our mission, we must understand a few things. We must understand God's eternal purpose, right? The book of Ephesians talks about in the eternal purposes of God, that God wants a house and a family for the father, a bride and body for the son. Brothers and sisters, if the Holy Spirit can open our eyes to the incomparable Christ, it will blow all the idolatry off the table. We won't have to try to love him. Our love will be ignited naturally at the sight of his peerless worth. See, the story begins at the foundation of the world when the Godhead himself took counsel of himself. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit conceived a, a, a purpose before angels and before Adams. God conceived a purpose to create, to create a humanity, to, to set up a creation that can express his love on this side of the veil and free will, free will in, in a free will sense, independently by choosing the creator, by choosing to be obedient, by choosing to be vessels of honor, by choosing to worship God on this side of the veil. But the enemy came in and poisoned our choice and poisoned our free will. And that's why in the Bible, you see the four major plots, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. As we begin to study the Bible in the light of the, on Christ's glory, greatness, and grandeur, we begin to recognize some beautiful parallels. There's four chapters where there's no sin, Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelations uh, 20, Revelation 21 and 22. And that's a picture of creation and restoration. Everything else in the Bible, the fall of redemption is for God to redeem us, to be back in line with them as his family. So we're gonna look at some scriptures in Genesis 1 and 2 and Gen Revelation 21 and 22 and some scriptures in the book of John. Book of John. Listen, Apostle John is incredibly nuanced in his revelation. Excuse me. Let's look at Genesis, right? In the beginning. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. John 1, 1 and 2 says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was the beginning with God. So we see a parallel, Genesis 1, John 1. Let's look at Revelations chapter 21, verse 6 to 7. It says, and he also said, it is finished. I am the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. So we see a, a perfect um, picture of these three, three scriptures talking about God is in the beginning. We, we continue, right? Um, in the language, right, in the division of light and dark. In Genesis chapter one, verse four, it says, God saw the light was good and he separated the light from darkness. The book of John chapter one, verse four through five says, in him was life and the life was the light of man and the light shined in the darkness and the darkness never did not comprehend, comprehend it. In Revelation chapter 21 to 25, it says, 
Uh, it is a gate that no one will, be, no will never be closed. At the end of day, there will be no night there. So there's all these scriptures, right, the, about the bridegroom, right? You see in Genesis chapter 2. Um, let's look at it. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. Then the Lord God made woman from the rib or from the side, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is the bone from my bone and the flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and joins to his wife and the two are united in one, right? So this is a picture of marriage, you know, and this cool Jesus' first miracle was out of marriage, right? And it was crazy in John chapter 19, verse 32 to 34, when they, when they pierced Jesus' side. So we see that Eve came from Adam's side. And then when Jesus was on the, on the cross in John 19, 32 to 34, they pierced the side and blood and water fell out, came out. And some theologians love to say that that was the birth of the church, the bride of Christ. And then in Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 says, let us be glad and rejoice. Let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the lamb and his bride, his bride the universal church has prepared herself. In Revelations 2, you see a river flowing. You see gold and all this stuff. In Revelations 20, in the book of Revelation, you see a river coming from the throne. You see the city was built under gold. You know what's crazy is that the, the gold and the precious material in the book of Genesis is the same material built in heaven in the book of Revelation. So God is restoring the, the bookends of Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelations 21 to 22 and using us to increase the size of the body, to increase the size of the bride, to increase the size of the family. See, Christ's vicarious humanity and victorious redemption has woven us into the life of the Trinity. And as we're going through the process of redemption, revelation, regeneration, and eventually recreation, we have to continue to rest in the Lord and prioritize God's kingdom. See, brothers and sisters, the kingdom of God is the manifestation of God's ruling presence. We are the sons and daughters of God, living in the already but not yet spiritual reality. We get to share in the sonship and, and being adopted children of God. Ephesians 2, 6 says, for he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and has seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. See, when, when God breathed into Adam, he breathed a divine substance, a pneuma. And when you and I became born again, that pneuma resides in us in the Holy Spirit. We have been called to grow and glow as we begin to understand our spiritual restoration and standing. Book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 through 19, if Ethan could put it in the chat. It says, as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for the fear of punishment. And this shows we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. Brothers and sisters, God is restoring to us the truth of our divine origin. 
We have simply forgotten the rock where we have been cut from. If you look at Isaiah 51.1, many people have amnesia to the anointing. We have been exposed to the contagion of division, doubt, and powerlessness. Humanity has an identity crisis, living under uh living under par from the divine destiny. We are Christians often living below in our inheritance. I preach this over and over because the deeper we are impacted by this gospel revelation, the more joy, the less racism, the more confidence, the more contentment, and the more fulfillment will be saturated in our lives because we will begin to understand who we are and whose we are. It's been said that most people die at 35, but they're not buried to 75. We have to truly live. The book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 25, or what the Spanish people say, Joel, it says, I will restore to you the years to swarming locust has eaten. Brothers and sisters, God's going to restore your restless years. God's going to restore your loveless years. God's going to restore your misdirected years, your godless years, your selfish years, and your fruitless years. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, for all the creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. That's you and I, fam. The earth is waiting for a group of Christians in every city of the world who receive him utterly and completely. A group of followers who will enthrone Christ as the absolute Lord of their lives. Before they're Democrat, before they're Republican, before they're independent, they are Christians. A group of followers who will stand for and submit to the headship of Christ. A group of followers who will sit under the Lord Jesus Christ and esteem him above all else. A group of followers who will give themselves fully to him and to each other. A group of followers who are willing to waste their lives on Jesus. Has anybody ever told you you're wasting your life on Jesus? A group of followers who are willing to waste their lives on Jesus individually and corporately. The earth is awaiting such a group. May the Lord bless us to be part of this true church. This is what our soul, soul longs for. This is why we like going to concerts. This is why we, got, we like going to football games because we like that kononia, that unity, that purity, that us first them. This is why in the flesh we're tribal because God has called us to be part of his family. You know, Jesus had a favorite place called Bethany, right? That's where um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. And they honored him. He used to, they used to cook for him. He used to be lounging there. He, he ascended to heaven from there. He didn't ascend from heaven from Nazareth. He, he was born in Nazareth, but he chose Bethany. Because that's a place where Jesus was loved and honored. I pray, that this, I pray that this church will be a Bethany church, that your house will be a Bethany house. Jesus is looking for Bethany churches where he is love, where people walk joyfully in their destiny and inheritance, in the here and now, in you and me. But brothers and sisters, we have to pay the price for that. We can't do certain things. We have to learn to lock in with God. We have to learn to remember to fight this amnesia and to remember who we are and whose we are. Can we pray this morning? Father, I ask you to give us a heart that is sold out 
to your faithful servants. Help us dedicate our lives to serving you with a consistent mind so that we can receive the rewards of blessing and honor on earth and in heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. God bless you, fam. Um, thank you for joining us. I'm going to...